Hey, Health by Designers. If you're looking to start living stronger, longer, and better today, and why wouldn't you be, then make sure to check out my all-new on-demand Live Stronger, Longer, Better Today Masterclass. Packed with the same must-know topics and information I guide all my coaching clients with to reach their personal health, fitness, and even life goals. It's 100% free, doesn't require any software, no logins to remember, and doesn't force you to choose a time or anything like that. Just watch it when you want, how you want. To get it, simply visit my website at www.royalexander.com VIP, and I hope you enjoy the masterclass. And now, let's get on to this week's episode of Health by Design. to live stronger, longer, and better, then welcome to Health by Design, hosted by leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. After years of traveling and studying around the world, Roar combines his decades of Western health and fitness knowledge with the many time-driven traditions and secrets of the ancient East to bring you only the best in cutting-edge information and special guest interviews that will have you feeling great, losing weight, and finally grabbing a hold of everything you want out of life. So if you're ready to take control of your body, health, and mind, then it's time for Health by Design. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Health by Design. And as promised, this week's episode is all about better workouts, and this particularly better workouts for busy people. So who am I talking to? Well, I'm talking to mostly the people in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, because let's be honest, we got better things to do than just spend all of our time in the gym, don't we? Well, I, at least I hope you do. Uh, the fact is, you know, the gym is there to make your life better, but it shouldn't become your life. And you're talking to somebody who, you know, re- I actually I quite enjoy the gym. And so the things I'm telling you, I have been doing for a while, but I've been enjoying it so much I'm going more. Um, but quite a lot of the time, it's just, uh, I've just, I'm just kind of there. I kind of go through a few movements, but I probably have about three really good workouts a day. Then a couple more times I go there and I just do these little kind of, mini workouts because if you don't know I don't go all the way there just to do a mini workout I actually have a new office I have my new health by design office uh, and podcast studio I'm actually recording this in my house today but a podcast studio in the gym so I uh, do like to just go there get a little bit of pump on get some energy before I start working for the day but overall um, I want to talk about what makes better workouts for busy people and I'm not going to waste a lot of time I want to get straight to it because like I told you before I'm trying to stick to these uh, 30 to 40 minute long episodes so I guess how many things do I have here? how many points do I have I believe I have only six six points so it shouldn't take super long uh, and of course you're always free to DM me on Instagram or anything else if you want to you know if you have any questions or just want a little bit of advice on your workouts or if you're interested in coaching of course you can always do that we'll talk about a little bit of that at the end so the first one the first tip I want to talk about is being uh, effective and efficient with your gym time and taking less time in the gym the truth is you really only need about two days a week of really solid weight training and by the way again I'm going to make it clear that when I'm talking about better workouts, when I'm talking about going to the gym, that gym time is weight training. I never go to the gym just to go on a treadmill or cardio for 30 or 40 minutes. When I go to the gym, as soon as I walk in those four walls, it is for weight training. 
maybe a little bit of high-intensity cardio. We'll talk about that as I get to my programming tips. But for the most part, if you're going to be going to the gym two, three, even four days a week and spending you know, 45 minutes to an hour, 15 minutes or whatever, then I want you to spend most of that time weight training. So realistically, though, two days a week is about the minimum uh, and even some in quite a many you know, cases, the maximum of how long you need, how many times you need to go the week, as long as you follow some of the principles and programming tips I'll be talking about. But I would say three to four days a week is kind of optimal. Two is good if you're looking to make sure that you're maintaining strength, that you're make, maintaining that your muscle mass doesn't go down over time. Uh, so if you get really busy, let's say you get a really busy period of your time, you can only go to the gym two days a week. So a lot of people are used to going to the gym four or five days a week. Like, man, I can only go to the gym twice a week. It's it's going to be not working. It's going to be ineffective. There's no point. Actually, there's a lot of point. And for almost three months, I was going to the gym just two times a week. Recently, I freed up my schedule a bit, and I've been working a little more in my office at the gym. So like I said, I'm going more. But if you could do three days a week, you are golden four days a week. That's the max, right? Enjoy those other three days of your life. So now... To say that, I don't want you thinking I'm only telling you to be active two, three, four days a week. Because here's the, here's the, this is the catch. You need to be active every day. And I want you to take 10 minutes to 30 minutes every single day of your life to be active in some sort of physical activity which again, I will get into. But I just want to make it clear that you can get very good muscle building, muscle maintaining, strength building effectiveness by going to the gym just three to four days a week, even two days a week, as long as you follow the principles. But you also must take at least 10 minutes every single day to do something. And I will go over that in a couple of minutes. So now let's talk about the principles. So these are the things. So next, my next two tips are principles and programming tips. So these are the things that you need to do and focus on if you're only going to be going to the gym, you know, two, three days a week, because it's very important. Now, if you're going to the gym five, six, seven days a week, then you can kind of, you can start breaking these principles. You can start doing, you know, lots more little workouts. You can start focusing more on different body parts, but if you're going to the gym like two, three days a week, then you really need to follow these. So the first rule of all weight training or any sort of fitness period, even yoga, is progressive overload. That means your workouts must get harder over time. Not, not necessarily every single workout, but they do have to get harder over time. Now, this is the catch. A lot of people think, well, then that just means adding more weight. And yes, adding more weight is one way to get progressive overload, but it doesn't work forever. Think about that, right? Let's say you started weight training at 18 years old and you are now 50. If that method of progressive overload was the like it works as most of well people think, you'd probably be squatting 2,000 pounds by the time you are 50 because, you know, you started off with maybe just the barbell when you were younger, but you just keep adding weight, adding weight. So by the time you're 50, well, if you've added weight, let's say 2 or 3% every work, 1% every workout, you're going to be lifting a lot of weight. And that just doesn't work. So 
What do we mean by progressive overload? Well, there's a few things you could do. You can make the weights heavier. You can add more sets, right? So you could say, okay, and I've been doing three sets. I'm going to move it up to four sets. You could change the rep structure. So you're going to say, okay, I'm going to add some more reps. They'll have weeks where maybe you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do heavier weeks. And then I'm going to do weeks where I have maybe more reps. So that's more volume. So you have different ranges of motion. You can say, okay, I'm going to work on going, working on my, you know, my mobility. And I'm going to really try to get that extra couple millimeters, extra centimeter into uh, that movement. So I'm going to try to really increase that, increase that range of motion. Um, then you can play with speed, right? So you can start doing some different speed work. So maybe if you've just been doing kind of like slower lifting all the time, tempo lifting, well, you can start now adding some, you know, adding some speed work in there. You can start adding some bands, adding some chains. There's lots of different ways that you can progressively overload a exercise, right? On the treadmill, let's just give you a treadmill, for example. You could start, let's say you've been running flat on it for a long time. Well, Go two degrees, three degrees, four degrees. Start working on that. Start working on speed. You can even add in things like, you know, running sideways, running backwards, different ways to challenge the body. That's what it is. It, it, that's probably the better way to put it. Let's forget about the word progressive overload. Let's call it different ways to challenge the body. So that is the very first principle. You have to do this. What often happens is this is where that plateauing comes in, where you go to the gym you're adding, you know, you're getting stronger, you're getting leaner, then all of a sudden it just stops because most people just do the same thing over and over and over. They kind of find a weight they're happy with. I can look at somebody's, quite a bit, I can look at somebody's program and they'll be like, I'd be like, wow, you've been lifting the exact same weights, rep, sets, taking the same break time for three months, six months, a year, sometimes more, especially with seniors and older people. They might be doing the same thing for years. So progressive overload, challenging the body, uh, in harder ways through different means. Now, the next thing I want you to focus on at the gym is compound movements. That is making sure you are doing these big movements that require more than one joint, right? So give you an example. Now, if you're going to the gym, this is where I was talking about earlier. If you're going to the gym six, seven days a week, five days a week, then you can get away with doing, okay, I'm going to focus today on just arms. Today, I'm just going to do triceps and biceps because yesterday I did back the day before that I did chest but if you're doing two three days a week and you're going to do that kind of bodybuilding isolating work you're going to focus on that you're not going to get anywhere quickly compound movements you know they help to break down more muscle meaning they will help to through your diet add more muscle they are better at increasing levels of certain hormones, testosterone will grow up, growth hormone factors will go up from doing that. So big movements. It challenges the central nervous system more. It challenges your bones more, meaning your bones will say, hey, we constantly have this heavy weight on us, so we need to make sure that we stay strong. It's also good for your joints. Your joints do the same thing. They say, hey, we need to stay strong because you know every few days we're getting this heavy weight put on all these different joints. So give an example, like I said, a bicep curl, is an iso, uh, an iso, a, a, a compound, uh, uh, iso, what is it? I'm having a brain fart right now. There's compound and iso, isolation. I keep thinking isometric. Isolation movement is a bicep curl. Your only movement is at the elbow and you're only moving the bicep muscle. Now, to compare that to say a squat where you got the knees, you got the hips involved. 
Uh, the ankles are doing some work. The toes are doing some work. Your lower back's engaged. Your upper back's engaged. You got your traps engaged. A lot more engagement in that movement than there is in a bicep curl. And you can also do, of course, significantly heavier weight on a back squat than you can on a bicep curl. So next point is, you know, well, within the same point of principles, is going to two, three days a week, I want you to do full body workouts. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means. And, and, and honestly, it's because it's not really, there's no really standardized. Everybody might think of something different. But what that means is every time you go into the gym on that two, two or three days, even four days, I want you to make sure we're hitting up one exercise, compound exercise for every major muscle group, okay? So that means we're doing some sort of leg exercise, some sort of chest exercise, some sort of shoulder, some sort of back. And then if you have time left over, sure, throw in some arms and some of that iso, um, bloody isolation. I should write that word down today. Isolation exercises. But I want you to do full body workouts. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but that's the, that's the next point. Now, the intensity, that intensity, I want you to keep, I'm just drinking my hot chocolate here with a drop of peppermint oil in it, by the way. If you don't understand the benefits of peppermint oil, peppermint essential oil, make sure you check out my Instagram. Uh, probably one of the most amazing essential oils on the planet Earth when it comes to focus and even sports, um, sports performance. So check that out. There's a new company actually called Fume. Right before I was with you, I was working on the website. And it's actually a essential oil inhaler. I'm going to be contacting them. And I guess um, you'll know on this podcast whether that goes well or not. Because I'd like to find out if they'd like to be a sponsor of this podcast. and a sponsor, Not just of the podcast, but of my coaching program and my wife's Ahina Yoga program. So we'll see. So if you never hear Fume mentioned on here, um, you know, again, in a professional way, then that means they probably said no. Uh, but we'll see. But one way or the other, it's a cool product. And if they do say no, I'll probably just end up buying it and keep using it anyway. So they just won't get uh, any free ads from me. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, where was I though? Oh, yes, intensity. The intensity of your workouts, your weight movements should be to what is called near failure. So this is some of the couple of mistakes I see people doing. The first biggest mistake is people not going intense enough. That means you kind of get in there, you go through the movements. Like I said, the one, the, the one or two days where I'm at the gym on top of my three days of hard training, there's one or two days where I literally just kind of go through the movements. And that's fine for those extra days, but it's not fine for my main workout. So I want to make sure that when I'm lifting those big exercise, those big compound movements, that I am taking that movement to what's called near failure. So failure means you literally cannot do another rep. It means you failed out. Let's say you get to the bottom of a squat and then you cannot make it back up. That is called failure because you're failing that rep. You don't want to do that. That's a good way to get injured. So we don't want to do failure. We also don't want to do it where we, let's say I do, you know, six reps, but realistically I could have done 10 because the intensity just wasn't there. You want to make sure that if I'm working on, let's say I'm doing a set of eight, then that first set, eight, well, it's going to take some thinking. It's going to take some, you know, focus on the breath work, really focus on the exercise, but I can probably get that eight quite well. Maybe the second set. Yeah, I still got that eight. Now the third set, 
maybe I, you know, it might be hard to get to that eight. It might be doable. Maybe I just hit seven. And right there, I'm like, okay, I know. And this is where you got to know your body a bit, right? So this takes a little bit of practice. I go, okay, I'm at seven, but if I if I think if I do that eighth, I'm just going to crash and burn and, and I'm not going to make it. So I would be rocking it at that point. So that is what it means to go to near failure where you know, like, and I mean, you know that there's not another rep left in you. Now, if you go to the odd failure, sometimes you miscall it. You know, like the other day, my friend and I were just at, actually at the, uh, uh, at the gym and we were doing some bench press competition and I thought I could make, uh, we just picked up a pair of 90s and we were kind of having a dumbbell bench off. And I thought I was going to make that ninth rep, and I got eight and a half, got it up, and I dropped it. It's fine. Every now and then it's fine, so if, especially if it's on an exercise where you can just drop the weights off to the side. But for the most part, that's not something you want to do. Taking exercises to failure too often is just going to leave you sore and unable to recover in time. So make sure your intensity is, you know, 95% all the time. Now, the next one is consistency. This is where you have to be honest with yourself and honest with your time and say, okay, how many days a week can I go to the gym on a consistent basis? So like I said, for me, for basically uh, October, November, it was only two days a week. Then in December, I hit three and now I'm hitting three consistently with an option for a four. But for me right now, it's okay. I'm going to be consistent. Now, Today, for instance, um, and this is where I go back to taking that 10 minutes. Today, I'm not going to the gym, but I'm still going to be active. So actually, I'm leaving here in about 20 minutes for uh, swim. I'm going swimming. I'm trying to make, I try to do swimming on Wednesdays. And that gets me to the next kind of little tip within principles. And that's the principle of fun. Okay. Or at least tolerable. But I don't like the word tolerable because tolerable means I'll do it. I can do it, but you know, I can tolerate it. I don't really enjoy it. So it's got to be fun. Now, for me, I really find weight training fun. And that's because I do a lot of different variations of weight training, right? Some days I go into a little more power lifting. Some days I go into a little more power work. Some days I go and I just do some sled work. I'm always making sure that my workouts are really dynamic and really, but most importantly, fun. So find exercises, and especially in the weight training, that you find fun. So maybe, maybe you like that circuit style. Maybe you find that fun. Maybe you're into the more of the bodybuilding style. Try some powerlifting. Try some lifting. Find whatever it is for you that makes it fun. Uh, one of the examples I use a lot when it comes to cardio. And a lot of people say they hate cardio. Well, that's a blanket term. Like, I'll have a client, I hate cardio, but when you do kickboxing, they love kickboxing. Well, <laughs> news, kickboxing is cardio. If I put a heart rate monitor on you and I have you go through a kickboxing session, you are going to be getting into that, you know, quote-unquote cardio range. So, Find out which kind of weight training that you find fun or, you know, very tolerable. What kind of cardio you find fun or very tolerable. And what kind of stretching routine you find fun and very tolerable. For me, it's yoga, particularly Ahina yoga, uh, Thai yoga, and uh, yin yoga. Those are the three that I really like. So those are the principles. So let's move on to programming tips. So... As I said before, I want you to do full body movements. So how do you break that down? Well, there's a couple. If you go to the gym two days a week, then you need to make sure there's a leg, chest, back, and shoulders every time. Now, if you're going to the gym three or four days a week, and this is what I call it. I call them emphasis. Total body, but with emphasis. So I have total body 
with upper emphasis, meaning it's I'm going to really focus this day on chest, shoulders, and back, the upper, everything above the belt line. Okay, then I have, but I'll still do some sort of lower body work. It might be farmer carries, might be some leg press, might be just some, a couple sets of walking lunges. But, you know, 70% of my time that day is going to be spent on upper body. Then I have lower body emphasis days. That's where I'm going to focus on squats, deadlifts, everything below the belt, and the upper body is going to get a little bit less. So here's the thing. If you are doing, say, three days a week, I want you to have a lower emphasis, upper emphasis, lower emphasis. I always emphasize that most people don't like to do lower body work and they ignore lower body work. Lower body work is probably quote unquote more important because it's been shown that, you know, this, I'll give you an example of a study. They did a study where people just trained legs only and people trained arms only to try to get their arms bigger. And then they measured the legs and measured the arms. So the group that trained legs actually added some muscle to their arms. The groups that did arms only added no muscle to their legs. That's because, like I said, that compound big exercise leg movements, uh, the intensity you go, I said, as I said, creates a more anabolic environment in your body, meaning you do a bunch of heavy lifting, especially on the lower body, your upper body will um, your upper body will adapt to that as well and grow great example it's a movie but just for fun um it, you know what is it uh conan the barbarian the, the very first one where schwarzenegger he's got basically it's that um for, i forget what they call it like an axle walk or whatever they where he's walking around and basically he's just pushing he's just pushing this thing this grinder around and around and around for years and he gets completely jacked from it so let's just think about it like that so try to focus if you're going three days a week the emphasis should be on lower body. I like to make sure that I'm always doing, especially nowadays, and as you get older, you really want to make sure that we're keeping and maintaining and even building the muscle as much as we can, and legs are the best way to do that. In fact, in longevity studies, two of the best predictors of how long you're going to live are leg strength and VO2 max. Um, so leg strength, really important. So be focusing a lot on leg strength. So that there, that's I keep saying so too often. It's something I didn't want to do, so I gotta be careful. I'm doing that. That's what I have to say about uh, the programming when it comes to lower and upper body. Now, perform both warm ups and cool downs. So, I'm gonna be having some video. I said so again. I'm gonna be having some videos coming on better warm ups, and actually, I'm planning on doing in the, in the Vancouver area. So probably in May, um, I wanted to do it sooner, but with COVID regulations, just can't. A uh, 1.5 hour workshop on how to design better warmups. But always making sure that you're doing really solid warmups and really good cool downs. A warmup should take at least probably, well, probably a good 10 to 15 minutes is a really good solid warmup. And cool down should always involve a little bit of breathing. I'm not going to get too much into that today, but some stretching and some breathing. Again, I'll probably do a podcast on better cool downs one day, and I'm going to do a workshop on that probably in June. And then micro workouts at home. This is my next tip. I want you guys to do every day, and I'll talk about it when I get to the bottom down here, but every day I'm active. Every day I do something, some sort of micro workout, and I'll be talking about that in a few minutes. Number four is the components required. So if you want to be in really good shape, 
okay? Especially you want to get better workouts, then you do need to have a few components. Number one is mobility. We want to make sure that we are working on mobility. You, There's no point in being big and muscular if you're immobile. And the fact is, if you have better mobility, particularly when you're working out, you can actually gain and build more muscle. For instance, somebody who can go down into a full deep squat will activate more muscle fibers than somebody who can only go into a half squat or a three-quarter squat. So focusing on mobility. You need to focus on weight training. You need to do low-intensity steady-state cardio as well as some high-intensity cardio, preferably sprints, hill sprints. You need to do some core and some ab work, and you need to do some unconventional training. That's very important, and I like to think of that as quadrupedal movement. So in, in, in physical activity, just in the human body, we have what's called the three planes of motion. And that is sagittal, meaning up and down, back and forth. So think of squats, uh, deadlifts, uh, lunges, anything where you are just basically moving up and down or back and forth. Then you have what's called frontal, which is side to side. And then we have uh, transverse or rotational. Most people's programs involve very, very little rotation, not too much frontal and a lot, a lot of sagittal. For instance, when I taught CrossFit, there was the old joke that, you know, you can do CrossFit in a phone booth because you're just basically moving up and down. Um, so I used to throw in, when I taught CrossFit, when I coached CrossFit around the world, I used to throw in lots of unconventional movements, lots of animal crawls, lots of rotational work. Um, a lot of members really liked it. A few members hated it because, you know, that wasn't CrossFit. You don't know what you're doing. I'm like, well, I'd been doing CrossFit significantly longer than you. And actually, I saw many, many of the problems with CrossFit uh, years to a decade before most of the other coaches that are just talking about the problems within the last couple of years. So I actually know CrossFit coaching very well. Thank you very much. You do not. Anyways, beyond, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't teach cross anymore. I, I designed the Metcon program, which I think is a hell of a lot better in my opinion anyway. Um, but those three planes of motion, we want to make sure that we are doing those three planes of motion at the minimum. So we always want to make sure that, yes, yeah, sagittal builds strength. That's your squats, your deadlifts, your bench presses, stuff like that. Frontal, right, that's moving side to side. So that's more your Cossack squats. Um, you know, jumping jacks could be one. Uh, Anything where you're moving basically side to side, your hands, your legs are going out to the sides of you. That's really good for building those stabilization muscles. Uh, you know, you really, you should be doing definitely a bit of frontal. And transverse, stupid important. Transverse, you know, that's, we'll call, we almost call that the sport movement because all sport requires some sort of twisting. So we always want to be doing some twisting in there and some quadrupedial or crawling very important, which I'm going to talk about next. So now that we understand what the three planes of motion are and that you should be doing some, we can now take it a step further into the nine foundational movements. So the humans, basically, we can break all of our movement down into nine foundational movements. Now, some people call this eight. I think I've even heard it called seven, but I'm going to argue for nine and even up to 11, which I'll talk about in a minute. So the first one is the squat. Squatting so important. You want to make sure you're squatting probably at least two times a week at the gym. Hinge, right? That's your deadlift. That's your bending over at the waist with good mechanics. That's important. I would say hinging, you know, again, two times a week, maybe one time a week at least. Lunging. Lunging is something that I didn't do a lot, but I'm really starting to 
come around to it a lot. And I probably lunge actually two to three times a week. Then you have pressing. So if you think of pressing, chest presses, right? But then you have you have two. To, now, this is where I said there, it, there it goes from nine to 11. You have horizontal pressing, which is, say, the bench press where you're pushing out. Then you have vertical pressing, which is pressing above your head. So that would be like a shoulder press. But I want you to focus more on horizontal pressing than overhead pressing. I really don't want a lot of overhead work, especially if you're above 40. I really want you to keep that low to a minimum. No more than overhead pressing once a week, maybe. Uh, so focus more on bench pressing. And well, we could talk later on. We won't talk about it today, but bench pressing with dumbbells as you get older or Swiss bars probably better than pressing with a bar. We won't get into that today, but uh, push-ups, great thing. Pulling, same thing, right? Pulling at you, say a TRX, right? Where you're pulling yourself at the TRX. That's a horizontal pull. Then pulling up, which again is a vertical pull. Again, focusing more on the horizontal pulling, just the same as the horizontal pushing. Then we have a transverse, which we'll just call twisting. Um, then we have, sorry, I screwed that up. Actually, it is eight foundational movements, not nine. I don't know why I said nine earlier. I wrote it twice there. I didn't think that was right when I was writing. I'm like, I'd counted it twice, but I see why. Because I had twist and then rotate written. So rotation, again, turning, landmines, band work, lots of rotational work. Uh, maybe I'll do some a YouTube video on some of my best, um, my favorite, I should say, rotational exercises. Then you have gait, which is just movement, A to B, walking, running, uh, farmer walks, anything where we're moving from point A to point B, so we're moving within space. And then, like I said, quadrupedal movements, that is animal movements. So important, great for mobility, great for shoulder stability, uh, great for building upper body strength, particularly, say, in women who quite often have a hard time doing push-ups. If we can get them on all fours quite often, we have that, you know, where we're getting 50% of their body weight on their hands. So quadrupedal movement, if you're going to be doing that, a great time to do it is during your warm-ups. That's when I try to suggest a lot of people doing quadrupedal movement. It's a great way to kind of cheat your warm-up and make it a little bit shorter by spending, you know, five to 10 minutes of quadrupedal movements can save you 15 to 20 minutes of kind of more scientific approach to it. By now, I'm sure you've all heard of the amazing benefits of hitting the sauna at least a couple times per week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, mm. and even helping you live longer. And that is quite the list, and that's not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences. In the By now, I'm sure you've all heard of the amazing benefits of hitting the sauna at least a couple times per week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, and even helping you live longer. And that is quite the list, and that's not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences in the quality of infrared saunas. Differences that can literally make the difference between getting healthier or getting sicker. I mean, do you really think you can hop onto Alibaba and order some cheap sauna from some untraceable factory in China and expect it to be solid quality? I think we all know the answer to that by now. And this is why I suggest in investing in only the best infrared sauna money can buy. And these are Radiant Health Saunas, a trusted Western Canadian home sauna brand. 
Founder Randy Gom has completed third-party, comprehensive, 100-point health testing on his saunas, covering everything from toxic chemicals and fumes to electronic radiations. He has even made sure there is zero off-gassing, zero toxins, equal heat distribution, and uses only pure Canadian hemlock wood with the absolute lowest near-zero EMFs possible. Clean, even heat, no toxins, nearly zero EMFs. And the one and two person models can be plugged right into your existing home wall outlets. Costs about only 40 cents to run for an entire hour and there's a model to fit any size space you currently have. Believe me, I did a lot of research into choosing the best infrared saunas for my clients, myself, and my family. And Radiant Health Saunas is the clear winner bar none. And this is one of the best investments you can make to your long-term health. Check them out at www.radianthealthsaunas.com. And then once you know which model you want, simply tell them Roar Alexander from the Health by Design podcast sent you, and you will save $500 off any wooden model. Yes, you heard me right. $500 off any wooden model of their top quality infrared saunas. And now with that said, let's get back to Health by Design. All right, so by now, I think if you follow what I've been telling you, that you, uh, you're starting to realize, hey, I really do only need two, three, maybe max four days a week at the gym. That sounds great. But like I said, there is a caveat. We have to make sure that we're active every single day and that also includes making sure that you focus on your non-exercise activity thermogenesis so that means focusing on burning calories by moving with movement that is very low level that is not considered exercise so we're not getting our heart rate up in that cardio zone we're not lifting anything so how do we do this? There's, the easiest way right now for you is step counting. I want every single listener on this show to have some kind of step tracker. It could just be a cheap, no-name step tracker. You can get them as low as about $20 on Amazon. Could be an Apple Watch. I myself bought the Huawei GT. I believe it's the GT2 watch. Now, I was looking for a smartwatch. And I was looking for quite a while, and I'm an Apple person. I love it. Right now, I'm recording this on my Apple podcast, sitting in front of my Mac, got my brand new MacBook M1 Pro. I've got my iPhone 11 over here, but the the Apple Watch, in my opinion, is a complete letdown. And, And I don't say that only from the point of battery life. What is the point of having, you know, a watch that has sleep tracking that you have to, you have to charge it every 18 hours? You either got to charge it before you wear it to bed and pretty much to charge it again in the morning, or you just can't use it for a sleep tracker. So I started doing some study and I was ready to buy a Fossil hybrid. Fossil has these um, watches. They're a hybrid, so they still have the hands, but they also have a smartwatch function and it kind of goes, uses the, uh, the same technology is the kindle it's got that white paper look with the black so it's not color and they call it a hybrid because it's you know part analog watch part digital smartwatch. but then i came upon a black friday sale actually vision electronics on this huawei gt2 so i started doing some research and i was shocked that the average battery life for it is 10 days to two weeks so I bought it, and even with the constant heart rate monitoring on, meaning it monitors my heart rate throughout the entire day, 
I still got nine days on one battery charge. And I've turned that off and I've got anywhere between 10 and 12 days. This tracks my sleep, tracks my steps. So I use it for everything. But here's the thing. Like I had mentioned before, I was going to about to go swimming in 30 minutes. Well, I'm actually back from my swim. I paused the podcast. And uh, right after we got done talking about quad and I'm back. And I, uh, so to make sure, because I count, so swimming is exercise. So I don't want that to get interfere with tracking my non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So I take off my smartwatch. And today, right now, I am at 3,025 calories as of 11 a.m. My average day, I usually hit 10,000 steps by about four in the afternoon. That tends to be the way I go. I've I've reached over 20,000 steps many, many days. Actually, let me take a look. Uh, I wasn't going to do this. I just thought about it now. But let's go see if we can find. um, I haven't really used this app because I just look at my steps every day. Here, let's look at my exercise history. Okay, nothing there because I don't track my exercise. Sleep is there. Stress. How do I track my steps is there a way to do i'm sure i know it's in here somewhere oh here we go steps uh for the week obviously i have not optimized i'm not very good with smartwatches. i haven't set it up to record anything but uh, on average every day uh a bad day for me is eight thousand steps now to put that into perspective the average north american is about 4700 steps so even on a bad day i'm getting nearly two times and most days i'm getting over four times hit many many 15 to twenty thousand step days so that's the first way the second way is by you know just doing things like even standing just simple standing burns more calories than sitting so using a standing desk uh, i talked about doing some of that just movement in the morning when you get up in the morning just sit on the floor with your cup of coffee and just do some stretches it doesn't have to be uh, I'm not talking about, you know, turning on YouTube and doing a full-out yoga class. I'm talking about just doing a little bit of stretching, sit cross-legged, stretch here, stretch there, take more walking meetings, you know, just anything you can to pretty much stay on your feet. Now, when you're sitting, um, even if you get a chair that rotates, I have a bar stool at my standing desk, and I can rotate, and I tend to fidget a lot. I have a Swiss ball that I use quite often, too. I don't use it all the time because the thing about Swiss balls is people that they just go and use them straight and that's their only chair tend to, you hear a lot of complaints actually about lower back pain because uh, people just tend not to sit on those correctly, but it is a great tool that I will use sometimes, but making sure that you guys are getting in your, I'd say, I believe with my programs, I have all clients because a lot of my programs are 12 weeks and for the first month, it's the goal is 8,000 steps a day. The second month is 10,000. Third month is 12,000. That tends to be the steps. And I always tell them, take off your watch during your gym time. Because I, I don't want that to be just like I did with my swim. I don't want the swimming laps to uh, add up. Because I'd probably be I'd probably be well into the 5,000s by now uh, had I kept it on. And I want to make sure I don't want to make sure that they're swimming on top of my non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So every day... I want you to track your steps. I want you to standing desk. I want you to do whatever you can to stay on your feet or do some stretching. Do something low that where you don't feel tired, don't feel exhausted. It really can be used as a form of active recovery. Walking is one of the best forms of active recovery. Um, breathing, sitting, doing some meditation, doing some uh, light stretching, really light yoga. Great ways to get extra nutrients, extra oxygen in your muscles and just make you feel better. I tell you, try this. For the next week, when you wake up in the morning, whatever time you wake up at, 
just do a five-minute stretch routine. And nothing special, just figure it out. Bend down, try to touch your toes, touch your knees, you know, twist, do, sit down, do a couple twists, just do anything, do a little lunge, just spend five minutes of just some deep nasal breathing, and then just do some stretching, and you are going to feel so much better in that couple minutes. Do it with your cup of coffee. Challenge to you. So make sure you're getting that because non-exercise activity is so important, especially if we are going to the gym only that two to three days per week. Because here's a stat, and this is a true stat. You can do the math. Let's say you go to the gym seven days a week, one hour a day, seven days a week. You are only 4%, that's right, 4% more active than somebody who doesn't go to the gym period, somebody who sits on a chair. That's because if we take seven hours of the week, add, it all, add up all the 24 hours in a day times seven, divide that by the seven hours you're at the gym, only ends up being 4%. Now, that 4% is important, especially if you do what I do. Right? That 4% is going to help you build muscle. That 4% is going to help with uh, blood glucose regulation. That 4% is going to help boost key hormones. That 4% is going to help with bone mass, help with cardiovascular health. But 4% nonetheless. So that's why if we can get in that NEAT, we start adding up a lot. NEAT can burn up to 30% of your daily calories. So... Make sure you guys are getting neat. So now I'm going to tell you how my week works. So this is the last part of this podcast because a lot of people are saying, well, we've gone through a lot. So can you just, I'm just going to give you a blueprint of my week. So every day, I would say four, four days a week, three sometimes, but four, and then you'll see why in a minute, daily mobility. So pretty much I have two routines in the mornings. I tend to get up anywhere between 5.15 and 5.45 every day. And I always do either 10 to 15 minutes of mobility work. Um, sometimes I just throw on a YouTube um, yoga video. Sometimes I'll just do my own stretching. It depends. Or I do a 10-minute ab and core routine. And that's seven days a week. So three days to four days, it might be core three days to four days and maybe mobility depending on how I'm feeling. For instance, this morning I got up, wanted to do core, but I just felt so stiff this morning. I just decided to do some mobility instead. So tomorrow I'll do some abs. So I just do, like I said, this is anywhere between 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes of ab work, usually really focused, really, um, I don't want to say intense as in, you know, like my heart rate's going, but I really focus on just making sure that I have very focused quality abs, a lot of isometric holds, a lot of making sure that it's the ab muscles working, not the hip flexors. Or I do daily mobility. So seven days a week, I'm doing something like that. Then I have my two to three days a week at the gym. Uh, And then if I am there a fourth day, or sometimes even a fifth day, what I'll do is on a fourth day, quite often, I'll do a lot of sled work. Uh, it's great form. Of, it, it is active recovery, but at the same time, it's, it's great work to build power. It can help you build some muscle. Great at building that concentric strength. Great for hamstrings, quads. So, uh, so hamstrings, quads. Well, quads if you do it in certain ways. And the glutes, obviously. And then I throw some crawls in there. Um, so I'll do crawling. But from those two to three days a week, I usually have a, a – it's all total body, like I said before. So there'll be a day where I do, say, a squat, some sort of bench press variation, a a barbell row, shoulder, something to do with shoulders. And then I usually like to finish off with uh, loaded carries. I like doing loaded carries almost every time I'm in the gym. The next time I'm in, 
Um, I may start off with some more focusing on the upper back, uh, shoulders, a little bit of chest, uh, and then some sort of hinge or lunges, actually lunges there. I do quite a bit of lunge work on that day. And then another day I come in where it's going to be focused on hinging. That is deadlift day, straight leg deadlifts or uh, glute. What do they call them? What do they call those? Uh, glute bridges or, you know, where you have the barbell across you and then you kind of do the hip thrust, uh, hip thrusting. Uh, and then again, more, some more upper body work in there. Usually um, focus a little more on shoulders and back and not too much on chest that day. Because it, the chest, my pretty good chest development, I try to work on back and shoulders because I don't tend to work on those quite as much. And it's almost probably 80% of it is horizontal pulling when it comes to the chest. So that is my two to three days a week at the gym. There's always a lower body component. Um, if it is an upper body dominant day, like I said, sometimes I'll just do quite a few walking lunges, sometimes with weight, sometimes without. Uh, one day a week. I do sprints, although this time, this week I did sprints a couple days, but they were just really short s sessions. But quite often I'll go to the gym on, what, are, what do I do right now? I go Monday, Fridays, and Sundays for sure. Uh, Thursdays, I've, st I've started to add in a bit on Thursdays. Um, and then I'll have a sprint day in there. It tends to be sprint Saturday or something like that. I'm not sure. It changes around a little bit depending on my schedule, but... That'll be about 10 to 15 minutes of solid 100% effort sprints outside. Then almost three to four days a week. Um, I've been a little bit lazier because just the weather's been so terrible here, but I still try to get out often as I can for a walk. I especially like to do these cold weather walks where I'll go out in the morning at 6 a.m., four degrees, five degrees out, and sometimes zero um, in nothing but a pair of linen pants. And then I try to spend anywhere between... 15 and 30 minutes just out in the cold. Uh, I'm lucky that I live on a very, I live on the top of a quite a steep road hill. I think it's probably not quite a kilometer down, but it's probably nearly a kilometer down. So what I'll do is uh, maybe 700 meters down. I will walk through the streets, kind of zigzagging, work my way to the bottom of the hill. And then I'll just walk up the hill and even a negative four with nothing on but a pair of linen pants and a pair of running shoes, like no shirt. Oh, a pair of gloves. I always wear gloves because I don't like having the cold hands. I find I find if I can go outside, I can be outside in half an hour, even longer, in freezing cold weather with barely any clothes on as long as your hands are warm. If your hands are cold, I can bake it like 10 minutes max. So really hate it if I don't have my gloves. But even that cold day walking up that hill, your heart rate's going up. You're still sweating by the time you get to the top. So uh, that's what I'll do. Now, I'm not saying you got to do that, but... Try to take as many walks as you can, and uphill walking is honestly an awesome way to go. And then, like I said, one day of sprint work. Sometimes I'll warm up a little bit at the gym with a little bit of uh, the assault bike. So I'm doing something hit quite quickly. But when I do my hit, uh, I don't do a lot of circuit training because to me that that's right in the middle. That's more hurt, which is high-intensity resistance training, and I don't really care for that. I go two ways. I'm either going to focus on really good, solid weight lifting, usually you know, focus on the eccentric, slow down, power it up, really working on just really solid quality reps of big compound movements with a barbell. And then my cardio will be body weight, very high intensity sprints, a salt bike, or pushing the sled with some light weight. Stuff that just breaks your heart heart rate up so high, so much faster than you'll ever get with kettlebell swings and doing 
circuits. Now, that's not to say there's not the odds. I don't do circuits a lot, but in the summertime, I tend to do them because a little more fun. I'll set them up outside. Uh, but circuits kind of they get weird in the middle. They're, you know, they're, they're not slow, but they're not really fast. So just don't really care for them. And that, that tends to be about that. Now, all of my programs, my men's mind, uh, men's muscle and mind, my women's turn back time, my um, lose uh, last weight loss resolution ever, and my stronger, longer, better 12-week programs, all the fitness programs and some of the neat stuff that I, when I, with my clients, this is the stuff that you will be getting, what I just told you. So we're going to make sure that your workouts, you know, take less time. I don't want you in the gym more than you. You and me will discuss it. If you can only get in two times a week, great. If you can get in four times a week, great. Don't really even want you going more than that. Uh, we make sure that you're based on scientific principles. We'll get into the programming. Make sure that those components are all covered. At least you're doing a little bit from each one. Neat. You get that neat activity tracking. Very important. All my clients get tracking um, the step trackers, uh, which we focus on. You. Know, we follow up on every week during their coaching call, as well as you know. Most of my clients end up with standing desks. Most of my clients end up just loving moving, uh, and then that's it. So most of my programs all come with that. So again, you can check those out at www.roaralexander.com. That's my official website. You can go up there. You'll see coaching at the top. You click down there and check a look at it. Now, my um, last weight loss resolution ever, that is a program that is only out for January and February. It's a six-week kind of booster program to help get you on the right foot and hopefully teach you everything you need to know so you don't have to make a weight loss resolution next year or ever again. So. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're looking to lose weight, if you're looking to feel great, you know, you do want to live stronger, longer, better, you know, and you want to make this the last year of that fucking weight loss resolution, because let's be honest, that's such a boring resolution, then please make sure you check out that program or any of my other programs. Most of the rest of them are quite a bit longer. So that's it today, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, yeah, I will see you again in the, uh, well, I'll be talking to you again in the very near future. This episode of Health by Design is brought to you by Cooking at Home. It's something we don't do enough of, and you can't make a lot of money marketing it, and it's the best way to know what's going in you. Cook, share, and enjoy. Cook more at home and start living stronger, longer, and better today. This has been the Health by Design podcast with Canada's leading healthy living expert and wellness architect, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to Health by Design through your favorite podcast provider. And then don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to stay up to date with my latest blogs, speaking events, and exclusive interviews with guests from all around the world. While you're there, be sure to check out my coaching options to help you on your own personal health journey, set up your free call, and together, let's see how I can help you starting today. And until next time, remember... I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and as always, better.